Dark Fringe Radio. Welcome and we're live. How's everybody doing? Very first episode of 2018, so thanks for joining. We hope this is the beginning of a brand new trend for you guys. And we have a special guest on the line with us tonight. And he goes by the name of David Rodriguez. We'll be talking to him here in a second. But I wanted to uh, give everybody our social media information again. Dark Fringe Radio on Twitter. The same on SoundCloud. SoundCloud I recommend for the Android users. And um, of course for you iTunes people, you Apple people. We're on iTunes. At the same handle, Dark Fringe Radio. And of course our website, darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. And uh, you can catch all our stuff there. And um, also wanted to throw out the email uh, because um, wanted to get some you know suggestions, anything from you guys uh, regarding guests that you guys you know may think that uh, may be good for the show, and you know have something to contribute to the show, or even if yourself, if you um, you know maybe listen to the podcast and you are you know maybe a psychic, a medium, uh, maybe a conspiracy a theorist yourself. Um, or, you know, you have some type of inside, maybe ex-military, something like that. If, if you want to come on the podcast, we'd be more than happy to have you guys on, um, even if it's under, you know, um, you know, the terms of, you know, anonymity. So, you know, we're very respectful in that regard. So nevertheless, um, we, I'm going to direct everybody to the email, which is the dark fringe at gmail.com, the dark fringe at gmail.com. You can send all that stuff there. Uh, suggestions, anything you want, you can send it there. So also uh, wanted to remind everybody that if you could on the iTunes side, give us a five-star rating and uh, please give us a comment and subscribe. Um, that way, uh, when a new episode uh, is downloaded uh, to your device every Wednesday when we actually drop a new episode. So that's how it works. Once you subscribe, it's downloaded to your device automatically um, and it's there for your listening pleasure uh, as soon as it's downloaded um, uh, every Wednesday on our site. So again, uh, tonight we have uh, David Rodriguez and a uh, very interesting guest. Uh, he is actually the founder of Prism Paranormal Research, and that's actually a paranormal research group down here in South Florida and Miami in particular. And um, you know, he runs this chapter down here with these uh, you know other individuals um, that uh, you know he says he couldn't do it without them, of course. Uh, you know, his support team. And uh, they've, you know, were able to capture a lot of uh, real cool evidence um, throughout the, you know, years that they've been investigating. We're going to be talking about all that stuff and also his background, what got him started uh, into this field. And, um, you know, some of the things that he's witnessed um, when he's gone on some of these um, investigations. And uh, we'll be getting into all that uh, here momentarily. So, um, again, um, I hope you guys enjoy the uh, the interview with uh, David Rodriguez. And, again, our goal here for 2018 is to bring you guys a high-quality podcast. And uh, by doing that, we're going to have more guests here on the podcast. Uh, we have David Rodriguez tonight. Uh, next week, we're going to have uh, John Davis, who's the... Secretary of the Flat Earth Society. We're going to be talking about the Flat Earth. And then two weeks after that, um, I have a, a very special lady that's going to be coming on the podcast who uh, she's an author and she's going to be promoting a book that um, is going to be very relevant, I should say, uh, to you know a lot of the topics that we talk about here. Um, so I think you'll find that very fascinating as well. So uh, again, you know, we have all this uh, planned ahead for you guys. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. Again, if you have any questions, any comments, any feedback, send that my way to thedarkfringe at gmail.com. That's, again, thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Again, I'm Will Martinez. My co-host, Jay Gelosi, will be on the uh, the interview here. You'll hear him here in a second. And you know, we both had a lot of uh, you know cool questions to ask David here. And um, again, I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Thanks so much. And um, again, I hope you enjoy. I got a condo in Manhattan. Baby girl, what's happening? You and your ass invited. So gonna get to clapping. Go pop a phone, pad, pop a phone me. Turn around and drop it for a pad. Drop it for me. I'll rent some beach house in Miami. Wake up with no jammies. Lobster 
hotel for dinner. Julio served that scampi. You got it if you want it. Got it, got it if you want it. Said you got it if you want it. Take my wallet if you want it now. Jump in the Cadillac. Girl, let's put some miles on it. Anything you want, just to put a smile on it. You deserve it, baby. You deserve it All right, Dark Fringe Radio listeners, we have a special guest on the line tonight. His name is David Rodriguez, and David Rodriguez is the founder of Prism Paranormal Research, and he was uh, born in Madison, Wisconsin, basically the son of a Cuban father and American mother, fluent in both English and Spanish. He spent part of his life growing up in Spain and Portugal, um, and as a teenager, he moved over to the United States and currently resides in Miami now. Uh, now, be, uh, between the ages of 12 and 16, David experienced a series of life-altering paranormal events. And in an effort to show his family and others uh, who were skeptical about what he encountered and what he saw, he began taking photographs of the events that he was experiencing. Soon after finishing his studies at Ohio State University in 1996, David co-owned a recording uh, studio in Atlanta, Georgia, and learned the art of recording spirit voices or electronic voice phenomena, EVP for short, of course. In 2003, David started Paranormal Meetup Group in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, the popularity of the group quickly led to the formation of the Paranormal Research and Investigative Studies Midwest, also PRISM, of course. So as of uh, 2016, PRISM Paranormal Research is uh, comprised of 15 teams worldwide. Now, David uh, currently works as the director of PRISM South Florida and has made several appearances on Latin American television stations, including Univision, Telemundo, Mega TV, America TV, and Mira TV. Uh, as of 2014, David also works as an official ghost tour guide for Miami-Dade County, locations including both the Deering Estate and the, the Lata Estate as well. So, welcome to Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, the founder of PRISM Paranormal Research, Mr. David Rodriguez. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Will. Awesome, awesome, man. Listen, um, I was doing some background on you, and uh, you're a pretty interesting guy. Um, you've, you've made your rounds in the, uh, in the paranormal world, and uh, it looks like you've had a lifetime of paranormal experiences um, since you were a child, as I, as I brought up now. What brought you from Madison, Wisconsin, to here in Miami? Well, I, only, I lived there for a few years growing up, and my dad, he escaped Cuba to Spain. And then ended up moving to the United States to do, um, to to uh, be a professor teaching Spanish over here uh, and, and other things as well. And then he became my mom's teacher <laughs> at some point, and they got married a little while after that. And he was at the University of Madison, Wisconsin. So he was there. I was born there. And then after that, we just kind of moved around a lot. My dad was kind of, you know, had to kind of like a gypsy gypsy upbringing type of thing moved, moved a lot of places every three four years kind of like military but we weren't military we just kind of moved around a lot and um yeah so that was you know moved to europe back to europe my dad had had gone to spain so um we spent some time in spain portugal and um yeah came back and then actually ended up doing that again my my ex-wife's in the military she's a navy officer and uh we ended up going back to spain and let me tell you there's a lot of haunted places over there but uh, I, w- I would love to get my hands on some of those castles over there. That yeah, no, that, that's one place that I've always said to myself, if there's any place in the world that's got to be extremely haunted, it's got to be Spain, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's got those old hauntings. You know, I think here in here in, in Florida, particularly, we, you know, I mean, I guess if you go to St. Augustine and stuff, it is the oldest city, but a lot of the hauntings here are newer, you know, 19, uh, maybe 1880, 1890 upwards. So, I mean, that, that's, that's old in itself, but you know, it's, you know, compared to the, compared to the, like the upper East coast, we just, it's, uh, people wouldn't think that this is a haunted state, but it is. Oh, very much so. I totally think so. Oh yeah. I believe it totally. I've seen a lot of things in my time here as well. So let me uh, rewind a little bit. I know um, I, I mentioned that you started having paranormal experiences at a young age and um, I know they were kind of life altering for you. Do you mind expounding on that a little bit or is that something you want to keep personal? And if you do, I, I understand. No, I talk about it a little bit. I mean, I talk about it on, on 
Spanish radio and TV a little bit, but I don't really talk about it on, uh, for some reason in like uh, American, you know, English media outlets too much. I went through a possession when I was about 12 to, so at 12 to 15 and, and it was just really difficult. And like, I feel like even talking about that stuff kind of raises up that, you know, bad things happen even when I start talking about things like that. So about my own, my own case in particular, but what I did learn from all that stuff and, and all the stuff I saw is that, you know, people needed help that nobody believed me and nobody believes these people and they needed help. Not that I get that many possession cases, mind you, but thank God for that. But, um, you know, it's what got me into it at the, at that early age. And then after that, I kind of, I, I tried to forget about all that stuff after about 16, 17, I moved to Washington, DC and went to high school there and just stopped, stopped thinking about it. And, but it would just kind of creep in, you know, I think I've heard you say it before. I, I was listening to that, the show about the, about the Florida hauntings and, uh, that, you know, this, this stuff kind of, or maybe it was the guy who was talking at that point, but the stuff kind of follows you around once you're introduced to it. And once it finds you and you find it and you communicate with it, it just kind of stays in your life forever. And you can't really, you can't get away from it. So um, I just, I, I really couldn't get away from it. And all the stuff I was seeing, it would happen when I was alone. So I just decided I was going to start recording this stuff because, you know, that's crazy that, you know, I, I, that, uh, yeah, I'd be working as a, I was a restaurant manager at some point and, you know, I'd have a, uh, a wastebasket move across the floor and stuff like that has to be, you know, recorded, has to be told that it's happening and nobody in their right mind's going to believe you when that stuff happens. But You're right. so that kind of got me into it. I decided um, once I moved to, she was doing it to my ex-wife was doing a tour in Europe. And then when we ended up moving back to uh, the United States, Omaha, Nebraska, I started a, a ghost group, well, like a meetup group. And so many people showed up. It was like 40 people, maybe 40 some odd people. And we just, you know, broke it down to the people who were, um, they went on for like a few months. So, you know, I mean, it started small, got got to that 40 some odd people. And then we just decided that we were going to do a group, um, like a team to, you know, because we had enough people to do it. There was no other teams at that point in Omaha, Nebraska. So we just kind of got all our equipment together that we had our, you know, all our brains together. And, and then I started PRISM. So it was at that point, it was paranormal research, investigative studies, Midwest. It's kind of gotten a little bit bigger. We have a, there's a team in Australia and then there's about, there's 14, 15 teams here in the United States. So it, it just, it kind of grew, grew, grew. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, there was just so many people that love this stuff. No, there is. And, um, yeah, there is. And, you know, you've been very well, successful in organizing, you know, these paranormal groups, you know, wherever you go, it seems like it, it seems like no matter where you're at, you're, you're, you're always, you know, putting this together and you're definitely, you know, getting these numbers of these people that are interested. Um, what do you think is the biggest misconception about paranormal groups that most people have? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I think it, in my case, I just, I didn't kind of follow I guess misconception. That's a good question. I mean, I didn't follow like the way that that people did certain things. Like instead of going and looking at the, you know, I don't know, all the haunted locations in Nebraska online, even though it was 15 years ago, there still was an internet, but like going on there and looking, looking at those places, I just kind of like figured I would do it on my own and like go kind of historically on what happened in certain places, what used to be a morgue, what used to be, where where were people killed and and I don't know I mean I, I don't think a lot of other te- I think a lot of other teams tend to tend to tend to follow what other people have done to try to debunk their you know their evidence so does does that even answer your question whatsoever probably not I, I, misconceptions of another team of maybe that the people don't know what they're doing when they come to your house maybe that could be yeah. a misconception a lot of people really have been doing this for a long time and. Um, boy, I don't know. Is that a, that's a horrible answer, but no, 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 that, that, that answers it for me. I mean, I think, no, it's perfect. Yeah. Jade, you had a question as well. Well, I actually had a couple of questions. Uh, first, I think David, one of the things that as you're speaking about having like these groups to come out, even when these things happen, like you said, the waste bags move across the floor, it, it, it's gotta be one of those things where you, you even question yourself. So to see when other people come out and can be part of it, uh, it does give you that sense of, of, community so for you to start things like this that's great but what as i was reading and kind of going over your website i was curious as to 
what were some of the more unsettling things that you've seen aside from your what you had spoke about earlier with the your, like uh, your own stuff. experience? But <laughs> since you started prison, what's the thing you've gone into a home with the EVP or or whatnot that that has been the most maybe unsettling or or unnerving uh, event? Well, first, let me just start off by saying, listen, I could never do this. Like, this team would never have gotten so big unless I had directors that, you know, people that were so into it just from the beginning that ended up starting their own teams and wanted it to even be, you know, you know, part of PRISM. And so, like, there's no way I could ever do this. But, you know, it's something that, like, kind of like you build it, it will come type of thing happened. And, like, I'm so glad I have people that run these teams because there's no way I could be running that many teams by myself, you know? So anyway, my directors are awesome, but okay. Unsettling stuff. I would say, I mean, it has to be when you come into, and a lot of people who have never even, who haven't been around this kind of thing think it's not real, but I mean, it has to do with what I grew up with, but doing, doing possession cases, doing how, doing um, cases where, uh, where someone in that house is, is, possessed by you know i don't know a demon the devil whatever it may be but um those it's super unsettling i mean so so many crazy things you can see such crazy stuff in a situation like that and just even working even when by the time you get to if you're lucky enough to be able to 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 work with the church to help these people like the amazing things that i've been able to see you know i feel i feel so fortunate like in a strange, odd way, but fortunate to be able to even see the stuff I've seen because, I mean, an example, when you go to a, a really a, a really possessed person's home or the place, the place gets possessed, and then you, I've seen like, you see like stuff coming out of the walls, like olive oil type goo, and just being able to see those things and be in a house like that, to be able to understand that there's more to life than what people think there is to me, it's just like, I mean, it's, it changed my life. It's changed the way I've seen things and, you know, but nor do I want to be around that stuff again. I think that's kind of what led to my divorce at some point. So, uh, you know, I, I, even nowadays, if we do a case, a uh, possession case and, and they come around, actually we have one possession case now. I don't know if it's a, a true possession or not though. So I'm, so it's so so we're you know we're currently working on that case now, but um, they come around and and I don't like people um, people on my team who have children or you know really exceptional lives to to go in there and do the case with me because I mean we've literally had um, people from our team fall down on the ground and go into convulsions and and things like that that's not you know and it really messes your mind up this kind of stuff i mean it's messed my mind up too i mean most people think i'm half crazy anyway but it it's it's not for everyone you know and it's i would say that's definitely the most mind-boggling thing that we run into but thank god it doesn't happen all the time you know it's every now and then and and to see like a really a big you know in a, a big case like that is it it's you know, once a decade or something like that, once every five years. It just yeah, that's, doesn't happen. Yeah, thank God for that. Yeah, uh, I can I can only imagine how uh, how frightening that would be to go in and see that. And and I, I've definitely seen it. I can see how it would t- totally change your life to see things like that. I've not seen anything to that level. I've definitely had a few paranormal um, experiences. So... Yeah, I can I can see that. But you have and, to see it you know, see it to believe it. For you know, I mean, that's the thing. I understand why a lot of people don't believe in that type of a thing. But you know, there's a reason that there's you know x amount of exorcists for the for the Vatican, and the and the numbers are growing. You know, I mean, there there is something going on well, that's been going on for you know forever probably. But is it David that you think makes a spirit one spirit uh, benevolent and another one? more malicious and evil i would think that those types of things are different i don't i don't think they're just normal ghosts you know i mean the normal ghost that we see is like i work at the um at the deering estate doing tours there and and, you know there's a little child there there's uh, mr deering there's mrs deering you know you get the ghosts that are kind of attached to their their property the property that they spent years putting money into and, and really loved and that's like the normal ghost you know and that's, you know, even though Mr. Deering sometimes will get EVPs that say, get out and stuff like that, it's, um, he's just cranky, 
you know, he died there. He's cranky. He loves that house. He doesn't like people there. And um, that's it. what makes him that way. Um, I just think they're just not, I think those other things, those demonic things, I don't think they're ghosts. I just think there's a lot of, uh, I mean, basically, I think if you, if you break everything down, everything's just, it's got to just be energy, you know, light, energy, a certain vibration or whatnot. And those, uh, I mean, I, I totally hesitate to call them demons, but th- that bad negative spirit that comes in is um, using that frequency to, to come in and do what it wants to do to, to wreck somebody, to make them want to kill themselves, to kill their family and, and whatnot. It's just some bad thing that comes in. I think that normal ghosts can't really be like that. I don't think they have that kind of power. You know, you can be pushed sometimes. I mean, I've been pushed. I mean, I've been touched, pushed by ghosts, but nothing really, nothing dangerous really, really happens. It doesn't like get into your head and make you all crazy and, you know, pitch you up against your friends in the room. And it doesn't do that kind of thing. I just think it's a different energy. Yeah, that's all together. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that because, you know, just like in normal life, you got people who are just mean, mean spirited people in real life. And when they pass over, you know, more than likely they're probably going to be that way. And, and, you know, in the afterlife. So oh, they, totally. Yeah, totally. Totally the same one as they died. You know, there is a third thing. I mean, there's there's other things to have done, like um, satanic cases where um, where somebody um, did some kind of, you know, I mean, how to explain it? Let's see. There was a girl at one point. There was a girl who was with a satanic leader. Uh, the state of the of the state i don't even know how to call it but the you know the satanic group yeah. and he didn't want her to leave she ended up going uh running away from him to her boyfriend's house or to her girlfriend's house so she stayed with her girlfriend and the guy had told her if you ever try to leave me i'm gonna make your life hell you know it's like you can't leave me ever until i tell you you can leave and so she ended up leaving and uh, you know i experienced in that house a bed sitting on a bed by my just laying on a bed it just jumping up and down, not to, not too much, but it was rocking side to side because they told me, David, go up there. And I said, let me go up there by myself and I'm going to sit on this bed. And it just started shaking this bed, you know, and then I come downstairs and like plates are falling down from the kitchen shelf. And, you know, cause I was about to tell them, Hey, look, look, look what happened. You know, look what's going on upstairs and they're having their own thing going on downstairs. It's uh, That's another thing too. I, you know, there is, magic in this world people can do spells they can you know they can sacrifice things and they can make things happen and that's you know them i guess summoning these types of demons in that in that case but you know that can happen as well and that's you know the third yeah that's something i actually kind of wanted to ask you david since you know you come from a, a latin or hispanic background such as i um i grew up with a cuban stepfather and i've heard a lot of stories from cuba itself and one of the th- coolest things that mm-hmm. I read about you was that you were the actually first paranormal investigator to actually do an investigation in, on the island of Cuba, which I found absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it was amazing over there. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I find that absolutely fascinating because, you know, I've always heard stories growing up, you know, from my stepfather and, you know, very, very, you know, amazing stories. And do you think that this type of activity you know, since we're talking about, you know, the darker side, you know, people summoning things, doing spells, things of like Santeria and things like that. Do you think that that is more prevalent in the Latin community than it is per se and maybe like the American, North American, you know, white Anglo community? Minus Louisiana. Yeah, probably. You know? <laughs> I would imagine for sure. I mean, if you get New Orleans out of the picture, I'm sure that it definitely goes on in the Latin culture more. I mean, I just went to Miami city cemetery, which I've been to all the cemeteries in Miami and I can tell you, well, not all of them, but all the ones that everyone says is haunted and, and, and some others. And, uh, there's only one cemetery that I ever get any evidence at. And that would be the Miami city cemetery, which is like the, the one where all, we're all like the, the founders of Miami are, are, are you know, I think uh, who's there, uh, Julia Tuttle, um, you've got like Burdine from Burdine's the store. Yeah, yeah. You've got all these people from the early 1920s. And um, oh, God, where were we going? I just totally, totally, totally lost track. No, what no, are you we were just, about again? Yeah, we were just Sorry. talking about the differences between the Latin community and the Anglo-American community. Oh yeah, okay, okay. That's where I'm going. So, so when it's the last, so I was there just last week, and 
it, I was talking to the groundskeeper over there, and basically every night there's some there's some case of santeria going on over there. I mean, I don't know if your listeners all know what santeria is, but it's you know it's basically voodoo, um, you know, on the Latin side. Uh, it's you know based off of Catholicism and the saints are there, you know uh, uh, who they're praying to to um to to get things done, and every night there's something going on there. There's two you know two different holes cut on the side of the cemetery grounds because it's all it's 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 locked up. I mean there was a crazy case where on the Burdines tomb where there was a serial killer about God where was it it was like 1996 or something, and he had this was, I think his third victim. All my, it was all uh, African-American girls who liked crack. And so he'd take them to the someplace, give them crack and then light them on fire. And so he, he lit this girl on fire in front of that, in front of the tomb there. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that cemetery just because it's so old and there's just so much like energy at that cemetery, but, but it's super prevalent. I mean, Santeria in Miami is super prevalent. There's stores, you know, there's Botanica stores, which are, um, you know, botanica slash pet shop stores where they basically they'll sell chickens and and they um, <laughs> and they style. sell all the things for, for for you know for to do santeria. You know, they sell the candles, the fragrances, the the, the rum that you got to spill, everything that you need. The oil and it's and definitely prevalent, and it's more in your face here. It's not. There's nothing secret about it. I mean, even when you're walking out of Miami, I'm sure you know that there's when you see the people dressed in white. You know, you know there's there's santeros walking around here all the time. Oh, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. magic's definitely more prevalent here, Cuba, Puerto Rico. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the basics of a proper uh, paranormal investigate. What do you think is needed to accomplish that? Um, you know, is uh, tech needed? Um, wh- what do you think are the basics behind doing a decent paranormal investigation of a property? I guess, I mean, I don't know if I follow really the way that everyone else does. Maybe I do, but, but usually it starts off with, I mean, every investigation is different, whether it's a business or residential, we do a lot of residential hauntings and stuff like that or investigations. And uh, they're totally different than like, let's say doing one of a business or a larger place. Like um, the, we, I did the Broward Correctional Facility before it got torn down where, um, where all these serial killers were stayed. And um, that's a huge place. So it's more, you're going mobile, you're yeah, filling up there. stuff. I think back in the old days, it was more like you go to, you'd go to, Basically, it starts with a pre-investigation. You know, I'll go in there usually by myself and somebody else, um, and then we will kind of see if we can get some EVPs, um, kind of do interviews, get a feeling of the place. I can I can kind of tell if a place is haunted by now, but just doing it so much, I mean, I I can feel that kind of stuff. So if I, I'll walk around, see where it is, see where their I don't know their power boxes in the house, see see why it's happening, try to get a feel of the whole thing, and then if it merits uh, an investigation with the team then we we go on from there and then so the investigation i guess back in the old days it'd be like you'd string up a bunch of cameras everywhere but nowadays with technology changing so much in the past few years we just basically put a bunch of little mini FLIR infrared cameras around well you know everything's so much smaller everything now fits in a bag which is great so we do that i i my team and i don't know there aren't so many left anymore, but we use psychics and mediums. I've got a couple on my team. Um, if it merits bringing one in, I will. Sometimes I won't. Um, it just it just really depends. I mean, equipment's a big part of it. I I'm an equipment guy. Um, I've got a couple other equipment guys on my team down here in South Florida, and we that's definitely you know putting REM pods places k2 meters even though k2 meters aren't the greatest thing in the world when it comes to um, measuring emfs they they're really good for communicating with spirits um we put you know if it's a child something with a child will put dolls that have emf meters built in we just yeah equipment's a big part of it and everything's changing nowadays yeah that's so funny. much that's funny that you said that because i was actually reading about there's actually like certain models of, of digital recorders that are actually more prevalent or, or, or basically uh, better for use when it comes to this kind of, um, you know, action. Uh, for instance, I've read that like there was like a, a series or a model of Panasonic digital recorder that's like one of the best ones that was ever made between a certain year, I think 1995, 96, that just happens to for yeah, some it's, reason. Uh, it's the, uh, 
Yeah, so Panasonic RDR60. I've got two of them. Okay. Those things are, they go on eBay for, I don't know, anywhere between $1,000, $2,000. Now oh, it's really? out of control. That much? Huh? There aren't too many left, though. Uh, that's the thing. Yeah, they were only made for that one year. And, and the whole reason why was because people were actually complaining that they were hearing things like voices. Is that right? A hundred percent. You know, it would be like housewives, I guess, back then. I mean, the memory's only one hour long. It's 60 minutes no longer. And they would use it to just kind of record, I don't know, trying to get groceries or whatever they're doing, notes, or guys at office buildings were using it for their meetings. And they would send it back because they were hearing just crazy screams and voices and EVPs basically, but they had no idea what it was. They just thought it wasn't working. So then they hand it back to Panasonic. They send it back to Panasonic and Panasonic would just send them a new recorder, but a different type. They just ended up axing all those recorders. I mean, they got rid of them. As far as we know, they got rid of them. And so I would imagine there's probably, I don't know, a couple thousand left in the whole on the whole planet. So, I mean, and, and the thing is they do break too. There's a jog, there's like a little jog dial on them on the right hand side. There's a little wheel and those, the wheels, you know, that stuff, you know, after so many years, those things break off. And once it breaks, you can't use it anymore. You can't go from track to track. You can still record, but they're amazing recorders. I mean, if anybody does, I wouldn't spend a thousand dollars, $2,000 on one, but um, I got them back in the day when they were cheaper but if you can get your hands on one of those, it's, it, it is the best. They definitely work. We've done a lot of tests. I've done between me and um, some teams down here, probably closer to you up in Broward. And I'm friends with like War Party Paranormal and these guys at Proof Paranormal. And um, who else is up there? Um, I'm friends with Rob Demers from Ghost Hunters International. He lives down here. Um, we, we all have DR60s. And so all together, we've, I mean, I've done tests with seven DR60s all at once, trying to see, trying to figure out, is it like a glitch in the recorder or is it, is this just really just an holy grail of, you know, EVP recording? And I think it really is the holy grail. I mean, we're down to the point now we're trying to figure out like model numbers and there's a Japanese version and an American version, which one's better. Yeah. Um, I was, but, but they're amazing. Yeah, Those recorders are amazing. But there are other recorders that are cheaper mm-hmm. that, do work really well and you can get them i've got so many evps off of a gopro i can't even tell you how Simple many evps GoPro, i've huh? gotten off a gopro so the the recorder on a gopro is great and they're super clear you know that's the thing is you're not going to get a super clear recording on a recorder that was built 20 years ago yeah you you have to enhance but on the, the GoPro, audio. it's amazing yeah you have to enhance the audio with the, like a video or audio enhancing software you know to actually hear it so yeah i, can, I, I get what you're talking about that's pretty cool Jay, I know you had a question regarding the one of the pieces of tech that uh, David uses. Is that right, Jay? Actually, I had a couple questions um, about things like the Parabot, and I saw that you, you had kind of set up uh, a little, I think it was called the Cosmo, one of those little kind of trash set. Yeah, so like the robot stuff, I got the idea. I my, You know, you don't make you can make a little bit of money at doing ghost hunting, but I think anybody, but besides Zach from ghost adventures is, isn't a millionaire in this business. You have to have another job. And so I, I'm a coder by day. So I love to like hack into things and, and I understand programming. So when the, I've been waiting for like a robot to come out that I could kind of hack into. So that little, this little Anki, it's like a little toy. I mean, they sell like Toys R Us, 200 bucks, maybe 140 or something. And when it first came out, I got that and I was able to hack into it and be able to make it like do an EVP session. And so I, and to tell you the truth, you can get responses off electronic stuff. I mean, I'm friends with, um, with, with some of these engineers that do some of these apps on the phone. And even, you know, if you use, an app on your phone to ask the questions and you leave it in a room or you can be next to it or you leave the room, the ghost will answer that stuff, which is, which is amazing because, you know, at at some point, I think people who have been doing this for a long time, you start wondering, is this a ghost that we're encountering? Is this what the EVP is? Or are we projecting this stuff ourselves? You know, Um, are we even able to project this kind of stuff ourselves but you want to basically you know if you want to make it more scientific you got to take the human out of the out of the equation i mean that's got to be the the only way to do it so i mean eventually it's got to be a robot in a room doing an evp session and if he gets responses um it gets responses then 
how can there not be a ghost there? You know what I mean? <laughs> Does it make any right. sense? But anyway, so I no, got to, so I did the Anki, and then I started working on a bigger robot, and I used, um, God, what's the name of the robot company? It's, um, starts with an M. Anyway, I, I got this other robot frame, and I was able to, to get it to do an EVP session and some other things. I mean, I'm basically on that robot. It's big enough. It's like, it's four, four foot tall. So I'm able to put my DR60 on it. I'm able to put a K2 meter on it. I have, it can do everything. I've got um, a paranormal puck two, which will take the barometric pressure, static electricity readings, EMF readings. I've got, I mean, it's, it is just suited up for a place. The only problem is with that robot that I'm finding is that it's really fragile. It's made out of plastic and it's not metal. So it, um, you know, taking it around from place to place is kind of dangerous. Yeah, we need it's to, expensive. We need so. to put some metal on that thing, Iron Man, and that up. Or just wait. You know, I mean, the, the way that the way things are going now, there'll be a. Yeah, I wish I could afford that Pepper robot. You know, that little one from Sony oh, yeah, or yeah. whoever makes it. Uh, that little one that you see on TV all the time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that one is that would be super nice. But eventually, there'll be a robot. I would imagine the next year or two that comes out that that is a little more not, you know, a little more easy to take around and, and do the thing. I'm working now with, um, there's a robot called Jibo, and I'm working with Jibo now. And my brother, actually, he's a programmer as well. And he helped Jibo make, um, make a couple of, it's a robot. That, I mean, it, this robot literally just came out uh, three weeks ago for people. I've had it for a few months now because we got on the, it was like, uh, not, was it Indiegogo? But one of these advanced type of things that we, we ordered it like three years ago and they were really late on their order as happens with Indiegogo. But um, my brother was working with them, helping make like an exercise app and a, a kitchen app. And we're on the list to finally be able to push. I, I coded an EVP app for the Jibo and hopefully I can push it out. They'll give it to me in the next two or three weeks so I can put it onto the, onto this robot. This robot's a little more stable and steady. It's got sensors on its head and it has a camera. I don't know how well it's going to be able to see in the dark. So a lot more user but, friendly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the way of the, the future is basically to have robots do it. Either that or like some whole, you know, exoskeleton you put on yourself, you can see an infrared, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe in, who knows, maybe I dream too much. No, just like Predator, but, just like the movie Predator. Yeah, exactly like that, exactly like Predator. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Listen, every, everything science fiction eventually becomes science. That's true, that's true. Listen, um, mm -hmm. David, let me ask you this. You know, we watch, um, you know, I, I'm... I've been into ghost hunting. I've never actually done an investigation. I, I probably know more about ghost hunting and investigations than anybody else that's actually never done in a ghost hunt or an investigation, if that makes any sense. Um, I just know you're going to have to come one time. For sure. <laughs> well, you know, listen, it's just you one of those things. Out. I've never done it. I just never had the chance to never had the opportunity to, but a lot of the times, you know, we see these investigations on TV, right? And whatever show it may be, ghost <laughs> adventures, ghost hunters, whatever. And a lot of it, when they do these investigations, they do it at night. Now, do you think that's necessary to draw out? No, anything? not at all. Not at all. Okay, good. Not at all. It is. I mean, I, I do TV shows all the, all the time where where we have to film in the day. I'm going to be on a show called Arrojo Vivo on Telemundo. Probably I did a, a like a promo for Insidious 4 coming out. So I'm sure it's going to be before the movie comes out. Oh, so I'm yeah. sure it's next week or this week or I don't know this shows not Monday to Friday but anyway we did the lighthouse uh, in Key Biscayne and nobody ever has been able to has even gone to that lighthouse the, the rich history that lighthouse has is crazy I mean with anyways a huge history on that lighthouse but um, we ended up doing an investigation there got just an amazing EVP over there and then we these people contacted me for TV to want to do something and of course they want to film at 11 in the morning so <laughs> it is possible to get ghosts from 11 to 12 in the morning uh, at a beach. It, it is possible. I mean, it's just, you have to, I don't know. I mean, I think the thing is with this is that ghosts will come out in the morning. They're there all the time. I think, it, I think you see them at night. People um, feel them, hear them, see them more at night because it's so quiet. There's um, people are asleep there's not the traffic, there's not that solar radiation, you know, there's, um, it's just more quiet, more peaceful. And that's when they come. And 
maybe they like the dark. I mean, they do like basements for some reason. Who knows why? Yeah. But I think that they're around all the time. I think what it takes to be able to find a ghost in the morning in an hour's time is it just ghosts have an affinity to people like cats do. You know, um, cats know when you go to somebody's house and you're a cat lover, the, the cats there know that. They just know that you're going to be friendly to them. And I think ghosts know the same thing somehow as well. I mean, I've just doing it so much with so many people doing thousands of investigations. You can just tell that certain people are ghost magnets. Certain people are ghost repellers. Certain people, I don't know, maybe won't see anything, but they, they don't have the, uh, I think it takes a kind of like a, a, a kind of luck with this type of thing or like a, not, not even luck, but something that's like gained over time. I think you have to, communicate with spirits enough that they get used to you and then that helps things yeah you, you know gotta, you gotta tap into that that frequency that frequency so that way they know that's you know that's what yeah. I, that's what i've been told mm. but um let me ask you this you um you just stated that you were gonna do uh, or you did an investigation at key biscayne was that the, the cape florida lighthouse is that the one you're talking about yeah that that place is amazing just absolutely amazing well you know what let me play it was um if I could, let me play a quick EVP that you posted on Twitter. And this is what actually kind of prompted me to contact you. I was like, this is amazing. And um, let me play it here for the, the listeners real quick. And you can uh, maybe just comment after. Mm -hmm. Hold, on. Hold on one second. Go ahead. Okay, at this point, you you noticed that you probably heard something. So now the EVP is going to play back in in in, um, mm -hmm. in more advanced or enhanced time. Hold on one second. Did anybody die here? Did anybody die here? Yeah, that's a little unnerving, there, David. Yeah, you know, so, so you can see that. So that first, that first video, the audio from there is coming from a little FLIR infrared. It's called, it's called a FLIR 1 mm -hmm. camera that I'd set up on down there at the base of the lighthouse. And then I was recording with a Japanese RRDR60. And, yeah, it's, that's the voice we got there, but it's not on the video. But I did hear something. I mean, I've been uh, – there's something that – it happened, and it, it, I learned it. I don't know if I learned it or I got this ability when I was, when I was going between 12 and 14, when I was going through the possession, I was, I'm able to hear EVPs sometimes, sometimes, you know, I would say maybe, I don't know, 20, 30% of the time. And so at that end, what they can't see on the videos, I'm looking, I'm looking backwards. Cause I thought I heard something whisper in my right ear from like the outside. And that's where the door is down there. Yeah. But there's nobody there because the, the park actually closes at, at dark. There's nobody there whatsoever. The other two people, there was three people with us there, me and two others. And then there was three other people, but they were in the cottage, which is, you know, 150 feet away and doing their own EVP session over there and a whole different building. But yeah, there's what I make from that is I hear a woman saying it's a baby. Well, hold so, on. You I, know, I was asking who died here and it's a yeah, yeah, no, it, you can hear because you actually have the enhanced audio here. Hold on, let me just play it real quick. Hold on. Go ahead. Did anybody die here? It's like it's a baby, we think. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's uh, that's some interesting stuff you're 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 finding out over there, man. <laughs> I don't know. And then, so then, so then I start looking at the history of that place, and what's amazing is that, um, you know, some of the first that that lighthouse is the first structure in in South Florida. The first structure It was the first thing built, and 
There was later on, there was another lighthouse that I think is uh, around Fort Lauderdale. I forget what's called Cooley or Dooley or I don't know. There's another lighthouse there where the lighthouse keeper, there was, this is, um, God, what year is this? Eight, oh, 18, 18, 20, I don't know. It's 1820, 1830, 1826, maybe let me say, or uh, 1830s. I don't know. It's really, really old. And so what happened is there was this, the Seminole War was going on lighthouse keeper in Fort Lauderdale they he, he god was he also the uh he was like the sheriff of the town for all of Miami I don't know anyway that guy had a lot of jobs and the first sheriff did here in Miami but he the, the Indians that have come into his house the Native Americans the, chair, uh, the Seminoles came to his house burned down the house uh, killed his kids um killed his wife uh and he had to flee. So he ended up fleeing, left for a couple of, I don't know, maybe six weeks, a couple of months. And he ended up coming back and he ended up coming back to that lighthouse. So I think that maybe that had something to do with that. I mean, there was a, that lighthouse has a huge history of the Seminoles came there at some point. They, um, the lighthouse keeper had taken his first vacation in 10 years. He ended up going to Key West, put the guy in the, the second, you know, his, his helper in charge and this guy um, was there with the slave of the lighthouse keeper. So it was just two of them there. The Seminoles came in. They were running away. The Seminoles come and kill, like, his, I guess his child's tutor was there, kill the child's tutor. They end up going into the lighthouse. The guys had run up to the top. They locked the door. But the Seminoles had guns, and they ended up shooting, and they kept all their their um, gunpowder downstairs in the bottom of the, uh, at the, at the base where I was standing there getting an EBP at the base of the lighthouse. They, they sh- shot in there. The whole thing exploded. The, the stairs at that time were, were made of wood. So the, it was just so bad. There was just a, a shooting up fire in that lighthouse. And the two guys had to go all the way to the top to kind of that outer ring of the lighthouse. The slave ends up just jumping to his death. And the the helper the lighthouse helper the the lighthouse keeper helper that was there ends up getting three three bullets in each foot and and then he has one keg of of gunpowder that he had brought up with him up the steps he throws it in there just to say you know to hell with this I'm gonna die with everyone and we're all just gonna explode he throws it in there and that explosion that it created actually turned off the fire but they created another explosion that they, the Seminoles thought that he had died. So they left him there. He's sitting there for two days rotting, um, flies eating at him. The Navy comes, tries to get him out of there, finally do get him out of there. But, I mean, that place has such a deep history, that lighthouse. That's quite so a- I, imagine, I imagine that EVP has something to do with, with this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally guessing, but I think it has something to do with the Seminoles. Well, I'm sure. And with the people that died around there. Let me ask you this, David. One of our, my last questions here, and then I'll, I'll throw you over to Jay to see if he has anything else. But um, how was Cuba like? Give me give me some background on Cuba, please. Oh, my God. It's so amazing. I mean, I, I, it's too bad that the thing's going on with Cuba now where it's a little bit harder to get in. I mean, I can get in because, I, because I'm half Cuban. But it's just so amazing. It's just, and it's there's so many haunted places over there that when I went there and I went to, like, the um, – the, the main cemetery, the um, the Cologne Cemetery in in Havana, and just people would come up to me and go, what are you doing? Like, what is this equipment? And I'm like, what are you I brought all my ghost hunting equipment out. I mean, a bag full of it. <laughs> I don't want to bring everything. And um, you should have seen the people at the, at the airport. They were freaking. But, they probably thought you were bringing bombs over I go in there, and right? people yeah. were like, oh, finally, somebody's coming here to, like, to talk to the ghosts that are here. And I, I, I mean, even when I do like radio shows, people are like Cubans are calling me up and sending me stuff saying, you have to come here. You have to come to this city. You have to come to that city. Like it is just, you know, ripe for the picking for anybody that wants to find haunted places. It's a little bit hard to find them, but once you do, it is just, it's full of ghosts. I mean, they have, they see on the Eastern coast, they see like those little white, white balls that I don't know. I mean, I think that might be, UFO-ish yeah, type of stuff, but like, like the, those the, white balls over the mountains. The orbs and, and stuff, right? um, Those orbs, yeah. I think that's kind of a spirit energy. I think that's the thing that kind of ties the UFO community with the, para, with, the, uh, with the ghost community. I think they're some kind of spirit energy. I mean, they have them down in Fort Myers, too, or kind of closer to Naples. They'll see that stuff over the water sometimes, too. Um, 
yeah, that's, but it's, you know, that's it's a funny. whole different story, but it's funny because a lot yeah, of people, that place is super haunted and I want to go back really bad. Yeah, no, it sounds like a wonderful place. I mean, it, you, you got to think about history alone. I mean, most of the slaves that were brought over to North America went through the, you know, Hispaniola, Cuba, Puerto Rico, Haiti, all those places. So mm-hmm. there's got to be a lot of history there. And a lot of people don't even know this as well, but Cuba has a lot of different types of, you know, people from different backgrounds. I mean, there's literally a whole city of Chinese immigrants in Cuba that's called Oriente. And a lot of people don't even know that, but there's Chinese Cuban people there. You know what I mean? They yeah. Chinese as Chinese could be, but they will speak fluent Cuban as, as anything else. So yeah, there's a, there's, there's a, a great Chinese Cuban restaurant in New York city. <laughs> if you want, <laughs> want to try that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. basically Cuban food with yellow rice, but it's delicious. <laughs> That's awesome. Sounds delicious. It is delicious, Jay. It's got to be delicious. Yellow rice, come on. Jay, you have anything else for David? Well, I mean, one more one more question if you have a few minutes. I know you're you're giving up yeah. history about some of these places that you've been, and I'm a huge history buff, and, and like I said, I've had a few experiences, but what would you say is the place that you've gone to do uh, an EVP or, or investigate that has been maybe the most active or you've got the most data from? Okay, there's so so there's a place that I really love, and it's we were one of the first people to discover this place. My team back when we were in Omaha, and it's the Velisca Axe Murder House. Like when you're at a really good haunt, that place calls you back. Like you, the house will call you back. Like I dream about that house a lot of times, and and I have like an affinity with the kids that died there. I think I've I've just been there so many times that I've seen so many things. I haven't been there recently. But back when I was in uh, in Omaha, we go all the time. I had a birthday party over there. I was friends with the people that owned that place, uh, the Lynn family, Darwin and Martha, and uh, we helped build the barn out there. I mean, the place the place is amazing and so 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 haunted. I mean, there are times when it's not haunted at all, and then there's times when it's really absolutely crazy haunted. But it, I mean, that that's I really don't know any other place where you can just talk to the ghost and have a door open and close on its own. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just on command. I mean, maybe it's not like that anymore. And that's a, a whole another thing with like, if you, if you study a, study a certain house for, for a decade or more, you can see the, the changes that come on with the people being there. And like, you know, there's times that are more haunted. There's some, there's times in that house where it's haunted by the kids, mostly in the day. And then at nighttime you get kind of like the killers are in there. the killer, the killers, are in there and then you'll get like misty pictures and just just like lines of black through through photos and and you can hear like blood dropping at some point and i love that house <laughs> it's amazing yeah i, I, <laughs> I would I, you know anybody and you can and, you know anybody can stay there you just have to i think it's i don't know x amount per person and i don't think it's more than 150 dollars. you can bring like you know, five people and spend the night there. But that place Ooh. is definitely worth spending the night in. Yeah. I mean, I saw some of the pictures that you posted on your website regarding that place. And man, there were some pretty creepy photos in there. And um, is that, please correct me if I'm wrong, and I may be getting two houses mixed up, but is that where Lizzie Borden hacked up her parents as well? Is, is that the same place? No, that was a Lizzie Borden house. That's two different houses. Okay. So, but no, this... and that, no, this okay. is in, this one's in Iowa. In Iowa. Okay. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And another thing. <laughs> <laughs> but another thing I noticed, um, I saw the EVP that you had in there. Let me let me play that for the listeners real quick, and I thought this was really good. Hold on one second. What time are we supposed to leave here, anyway? Get in here. What? So most people just probably missed that, but I heard it. But the, Yeah, and see, when I'm saying what there, I thought somebody was talking to me. I heard the kids. Yeah. But then I went back and I listened to it, and, there was a, and that's two kids actually talking over themselves. You know, that's. That's like, um, God, who was that? Paul and Sarah or something talking over each other. So I, I forget what it's saying, but, you know, is there somebody here or, or something like that? Another one's like. Look at you, David. You, so like, fast, but... first, first name basis with these ghosts. Listen to you, man. Hold on one second. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Get in here. Yeah, that's a good one. Get in here. Ooh, yeah. I mean, you hear it clear. Yeah, I mean, it's so clear, right? And there's no kids with us. I mean, who who can that be? It's just right that at that point, there's me and another woman who was in my team at that time, uh, Annie. And it's 
there's no kids in that room. And she was asking something about like, she wanted to get pizza or we were going to go eat or something like that. It was late. And then you get that voice, but those kids, you know, in a lot of these things, I mean, here at the Deering estate, I'm first name basis with the little boy who happens to be Peter here. There it's Paul, you know, there's Sarah who comes out sometimes, but like you could tell which ghost is coming out too. And if you can, you, if you can like not control these ghosts, but if you can talk to them and they get an affinity to you, you can get them to do things on command, which is really, I think like the only way to, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a great way to prove it to people that there's a ghost in that house. People will say, Oh, there's air that comes to the thing. You know, people have destroyed that house in the past 15 years since, you know, since we started over there, but you know, the, the door is so loose now and you know, there's air conditioning. There was never air conditioning before they brought the house back to the way it was in the beginning. There was no air conditioning and there was a family that lived there in the forties or whatnot. Then these guys bought it. There was no air conditioning. There was no electricity. We used oil lamps, but then at some point, some guy who came there almost started a fire with an oil lamp. So then, then they, these electric lamp came out, came out. So the people were using those. Then they had people, they wanted to open it during the winter. So they had to add some kind of heating and you know, the place is, it changed a little bit, but that place is absolutely haunted or at least it was. Yeah, listen, I mean, that's unnerving to say the least. I mean, when I heard that, my the, the hairs on my arm stood up because I heard it clear as day the first time. I, I didn't even need to hear the replay. I heard it right away, and I was just like, Whoa. I love children EVPs. Yeah. They're the best because well, you know it's not somebody in the room. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. For Absol- sure. Absolutely right. David. Um, and that, listen, that recorder there, that was, that, that was recorded on an Olympus W10, which is a recorder you can get on eBay for probably $10. Really? Know? And uh, another EV, a great EVP recorder. So for a person who wants to start doing this, it really wouldn't take a lot if you just did some research and, you know, just got some basic stuff to start off with. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, people should just, people should, there's, there's no reason people couldn't do it on their own. All they need is an audio recorder. All they need is a camera or like a video camera, which is so easy nowadays. You can use your phone and, you know, I, I would imagine anybody who's never done this should go to some kind of event, some kind of ghost hunt, some kind of ghost investigation that, they, you know, they pay 35 bucks for or something and they go and they experience it and see if that's for them. Because, you know, some people get, I'm not scared of the dark. I'm not scared of any of this stuff. So that, so it makes it fine for me. But there's a lot of people who get really jumpy and scared with this type of thing. And maybe they'll find out if it's not for them. But then after that, they can go to, you know, graveyards or open places. You can, you can, you can do that. You can, they can go to, um, boy, you know, you can go to haunted hotels. There's a hotel Redland down here in the homestead. You can rent room 202 there and spend the night there and they can do things there. All you need to do buy an EMF meter, maybe buy a seriously $200 and, and you've got everything you need. A little, a little camera, an audio recorder, maybe even a hundred bucks and um, a little EMF meter. And you can do it on your own. But it definitely, I think the thing that people forget is to film everything. You know, you have to film everything so that people, you know what's going on. You can look back at it, make sure nobody was talking. And if anything, and then you can catch something. Because if it happens and you don't record it, then nobody's ever going to believe you. So yeah. I just don't see a point in it otherwise. No, no, no. But you're, yeah, you're right. You're anybody right. can do this. You're right. You're right. You know, you get better and better as you do it, like anything in life. You get, you know, the affinity with the ghost. You know how to do it properly. You're not, like, ashamed of trying to speak loud to nothing in the room, <laughs> you know, to, like, the emptiness. <laughs> yeah. But they're listening. They're always there. There's ghosts everywhere. David, since you're the resident expert, especially in the uh, Miami-Dade area, um, if anybody was interested in doing stuff like this on their own, what could you give me maybe, like, the top three locations that you would probably recommend in that area uh, for people to get started at? Let's see, top three, like, public locations. Definitely the Deering Estate. You know, the Deering Estate. And go to the Lighthouse is open every day. That's, that's a good one. Um, there is a place that's super haunted that we do all the time. It's called the Gold, Gold Coast Railroad Museum. And it's down by the, uh, the zoo down on 152nd going, you know, south Miami towards Homestead. And that has a, a few train cars that are definitely haunted. I mean, really easy. A lot of public places. A lot of them you have to go to in the day. You know, a lot of places, unless you do this for a profession, people won't let you go into places at night. But, you know, even cemeteries nowadays close at night. Yeah, they do. I guess, or at least the good ones do. Yeah, the nice ones. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to happen at night. People should start in the daytime, and they'll they'll be surprised when they start recording stuff, how, how much stuff 
you know, will, will present themselves. Well, that's cool. David, um, you know, uh, does person, do they do like uh, events where people can join in on stuff like this? Yeah, actually we have an event. So we do have an event on, thanks for asking. We have an event on January 31st. It's like, I think there's a uh, lunar eclipse and then it's later that night. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, a full moon, Uh-oh. blue moon. Uh-oh. And we're doing an event at the lighthouse. That's the first event we've done there. I mean, all the money goes to lighthouse They're, they are charging 50 bucks i know it's a little bit steep but that he you know the, the park said that the people down at keep us have the money so we're hoping that you know it fills up i think we did the max of maybe 30 people so it doesn't get crazy yeah but um that is an amazing amazing place and it should be a great night on a full moon and hopefully it doesn't rain oh boy yeah. but uh Sounds like all yeah, the right that's the next event. Actually, oh, wait, wait, wait. I have another event. I have an event next week at the Deering Estate. Ah. There's a spook over, and we do something from 10, what is it, from 10 to 2.30. And, boy, I don't know how much that is, but you just have to go to the Deering Estate. Call them if anybody wants to do it. And we basically just do an investigation with the people who show up there. Oh, nice. You nice. know, for anybody who's going. And we talked to Peter, the little kid upstairs. We talked to the Deerings. We, um, you know, we just try to get a bunch of evidence. The place, used, uh, it's unfortunate after the hurricane, there was a whole, like a boardwalk area outside. That was amazing. There was a, there was a police officer that was shot there and we would, you know, you could put, we have, we'll give everybody a K2 meter. So we had like 20 K2 meters down this multiple times. We've done this over many times and the K2 meters will go off and you start talking about this murder down there on the boardwalk where he, where the guy got shot. And it's in the middle of nowhere in the middle of swampland and there's no electricity and all these meters will just, you start bursting off the minute you start talking about this murder. And if someone died there, if there was a gun, incredible. But anyway, that place is, is haunted, super haunted, but it's more of a mild haunting, not a, you know, nothing's going to push anybody or anything like that. People might see something, but it's more of like an EVP haven over there. Uh, that sounds awesome. I think, uh, David, I think me and Jay are going to have to come visit you guys uh, sometime in the near future and uh, do one of these things. If I can pull Jay out of his cave and uh, not let him get too scared enough there. but uh... You can always join us, definitely, anytime you guys are invited. <laughs> well, listen, when you've seen some of the things that I've seen, the way I've seen them, you be a little, you know, it makes me just a little hesitant to, you know, I don't, I, I, there, I just don't always want to disturb. Yeah. That's all. No, that's that's fine. This but I would don't totally be down. No, it's not for everybody. This thing is not for everybody. That is hundred percent for real. Where can um, people find more information about Prism and um, you know the upcoming events that you talked about just now? So you can go to the website. They um, it's do you see dead people dot org or dot com do you see dead people dot org, and then we have a Facebook site. Just look for Prism Paranormal South Florida, Prison Paranormal Research South Florida. Um, Facebook, and then I'm on Instagram as Ghost Hunter with a zero for the O. Somebody took that before I could. <laughs> um, exactly. I don't know. And through there, I put I post up everything social media, cool. usually, and on the website. It takes a little bit longer to get on the website than it does on social media, but uh, definitely can find everything out there. Awesome, awesome, David. That's uh, again. Do you see deadpeople.org? Uh, David uh, Rodriguez, the founder of Prison. Listen, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show, the podcast. Uh, me and Jay, definitely, uh, you know, thank you very much for coming on. Consider us uh, brethren uh, when it comes to this and anything that we can do uh, to, you know, promote any kind of events that you guys going on or anything that's coming up, any kind of new tech that you're doing. I know since you're a programmer and coder, you're you're always tinkering around. So if you ever have anything that you want to kind of promote, please, you know, consider us friends and we can you know definitely do that for you. Okay. Oh, thank you guys so much. Yeah, it was it was a pl- my pleasure. Thank awesome, you. Awesome, David. Thank you so well, much. Thank you, David. All right. Have a good night, David. Thank you. You too. Bye. All right, brother.
Sister.